Hello everybody, this is our third sermon looking at the book of Exodus. Today we're looking at Exodus chapter 3 verse 1 through to verse 17 of chapter 4. And the title of this sermon is The God We Need in a Crisis. One of the things that this pandemic has changed is how willing we are to leave our name and contact details. Prior to the virus, most people were very unsure about it. Thanks to the internet, we knew that every time we left our details, it usually resulted in a blizzard of junk mail and nuisance phone calls. I got to the point where I often refused to give my name to those I didn't know, and if a website requested it, I would leave and look somewhere else. It cannot have just been me who felt like this. In April 2018, general data protection regulations began. Known as GDPR, these created work for every organisation, including us as churches, who kept the contact details of those who accessed their services. The paperwork created by these rules was a real hassle at the time, but the intention behind them was good. They were to protect our names and save us from unwanted contact. However, now we don't even think twice about leaving our name and contact details. If we want to go out for a coffee, we write them down. If we want to visit a public building, we write them down. Even on the way into church, we leave our name and phone number because we know we must be contactable by others. And of course, we do this for a very good reason. It's to keep us and others safe from the spreading of the virus. I want us to hang on to these opening reflections as we go through this passage together. For in Exodus chapter 3, we arrive at this awesome moment where God gives Moses his name. He does it for very good reasons. He does it to reassure Moses and all the people of Israel as they go through their time of crisis. He does it so that he might be contacted by Moses when in need of help. From this moment on, Moses can call on God's name directly in prayer and God will come running to his aid. But at the same time, by giving his name and making himself contactable by all the people, God makes himself vulnerable. Vulnerable to abuse. So much so, in a few chapters' time, God must lay down the law in no uncertain terms, that his people must not use his name in vain. The third commandment was the GDPR legislation of three and a half thousand years ago. Let us be in no doubt, when God gives Moses his name, it is a great act of love and sacrifice. He is demonstrating that he is the exact type of God that Moses needs in a crisis. A message that is still very relevant to us as we struggle through the pandemic today. Wonderfully, though, giving his name is just one aspect of what God does to care for and reassure his people in this passage. Let us now look at what more we can learn about God as we travel through the story in order. The very first thing we learn is so important, but something we so often take for granted, and it is this. God cares. God really cares about the plight of his people. In our journey through Exodus so far, we have discovered that Israel are in a terrible situation. They've been enslaved in Egypt. 
Pharaoh has forced all the adults into hard labour and bondage. At the same time, he's tried to annihilate all newborn boys. This is genocide, the systematic oppression of one people by another in the attempt to wipe them out. And of course, the suffering that has been caused by this has been truly awful. By the time Exodus chapter 2 ends, this has been going on for 80 years. The people are utterly desperate. All they can do now is groan under the burden and cry out in weeping lament to their God. But at the end of chapter 2, what was the first thing we read after these groans ascended to the heavens? It was this. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham. God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. As God then meets with Moses in Exodus chapter 3, these words very quickly get repeated in verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. But it gets even better. Listen to the next words that open verse 8. I'm concerned about their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them. Wow. God is so moved by the plight of his people. He cares so deeply about their pain that he will stop at nothing to bring them relief. His heart is broken with such care and compassion he has decided to get personally involved. He will come down and bring his personal presence and power to bear on the situation. It's so important we hear this as we go through this pandemic. God is not remote or detached from us. He's not disconnected to what we're going through or unmoved by our tears. In fact, he is personally engaged and involved. That does not mean that we will see instant results. Israel had to wait 80 years until God's time was right, but he sure brought them through it in the end, and he will do the exact same for us. The best news that you will hear this day, this week, this year even, is that God cares God cares about his people. He cares about you. He cares about me. He cares about all his creation. The second reason that our God is the exact God you need in a crisis is that he's prepared to communicate his care to his people. Imagine if those people in your life who you love the most, who you depend on the most, never told you that they loved you. Or cared for you. The waiting rooms of psychiatrists up and down the country are full of people who were never shown care or affection by their parents. As are the divorce courts of the land where couples who forgot how to communicate their concern for one another line up. It's so important that God not only cares about us but is willing to communicate with us in a personal way. What I love about this encounter between God and Moses is that it takes place not just in the wilderness, but on the far side of the wilderness, verse 1. It takes place as Moses goes about his ordinary daily routine. You see, God is not restricted to just holy places, to religious buildings and the rites performed within them. 
God is everywhere. He sees everything we do and he constantly wants to communicate his concern to us wherever we are. And notice it is God that makes this possible. We only get to speak with him because by his grace, he has opened up the channel for communication. In this story, God reveals himself to Moses in a way guaranteed to grab his attention. The invisible and indefinable God becomes visible and accessible through the burning bush. And the imagery here is important. God turns up in person before Moses, but he does so in a way that still maintains his holiness and separate otherness. Blazing fire is perhaps the ultimate symbol of purity. A bush that does not burn shows that God does not rely on anyone or anything. He's totally self-sufficient and self-maintaining, totally above and beyond us, totally other. You see, God desperately wants a relationship with his people. He wants to be known and loved by them. But human beings are always to remember that they cannot take this relationship for granted. It is pure privilege on our part. But being no doubt, this is genuine conversation. There's nothing forced here. God may have initiated this meeting by setting a bush on fire, but wonderfully he allows Moses free response. As the conversation progresses, Moses is free to question and doubt. He's free to walk closer or even walk away. Moses and the Lord are never equal in this communication. Moses has to take his sandals off for the place where he is standing is holy, but he's never coerced either. This is an open conversation, real dialogue. It is a communication defined by love and care. And again, we're to draw strength from this today as we journey through this crisis. God is not absent and he's not necessarily silent. He still speaks words of concern and affection through the Bible, through our worship, in our prayer time. Sometimes we have to silence ourselves to hear it. The third lesson we learn from this passage is that when his people are suffering, God calls and equips others of us to go and help them out. This is one of the mysteries of our faith. God can set a bush on fire without burning it up. Therefore, he has all the power required to deliver Israel from Egypt on his own, single-handedly, yet he doesn't. What he means when he says, I've come down to rescue them is, I've come down to call Moses to rescue them, and I will give him all the tools he requires to do it. God consciously chooses to work through fallen and frail human beings. And this is the story right from the beginning of the Bible to the end. This is God's plan. This is how he works and he will not override it. There is no plan B. God made human beings to be his image bearers, his representatives on earth, and he will carry out his purposes through them. So in verse 9 and 10, the call comes that Israel so desperately needed to bring them out of their crisis. God says to Moses, The cry of the Israelites has reached me. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. In a crisis, God calls the exact people he needs to sort things out. He always knows just the right person, and he also knows all the help and support they will need along the way. 
What this means for us as we struggle through these days together is this. I'm sure many of us are praying regularly, praying for assistance, praying for help, and some of those prayers may be urgent, just as the Israelites' prayers were. Well, we're not to wait around for a divine thunderbolt, as if that is the only answer that we will accept. The answer will more than likely come through other human beings, and particularly other Christians. The vaccine is part of the answer, as God has called scientists to use their skills. The phone call from a friend is part of the answer. The offer of support, practical, financial, and in terms of time from people in the church is part of the answer. And of course, the same is true in reverse. If we see somebody in need, yes, of course, pray about it. But don't stand and wait for some divine parting of the heavens as if that is the only way God can act. Maybe God led you to see that need and pray that prayer because he wants you to be the one who will make a difference. Let us allow the Holy Spirit to call and prompt us as we journey around our island in these difficult times. The Bible is absolutely clear. God still calls people into his service today. And it's never just for their benefit. It's to serve the needs of others, to bring relief to them in their time of crisis. The final thing we learn about God in this passage is that he cooperates with us. He understands our needs and works to reassure and sustain us. He provides us with the information and the resources we need to follow his call with confidence. Again, in this understanding, God demonstrates himself to be the perfect source of help in a crisis. As Moses receives his call from God, he immediately needed tons of reassurance. And who can blame him? Not only is the task ahead of him massive, but his past has hardly been a great catalogue of success either. Remember, Moses is only to be found here on the far side of the wilderness because in chapter 2, he spectacularly failed. By killing an Egyptian, he absolutely blew his opportunities. He ended up wanted for execution by Pharaoh, having to flee the land with nothing, and now has resided in a desert for 40 years. Moses is a man now low on confidence. All of that bravado has been extinguished. He has been humbled. He has been made uncertain of himself. As God finds him in the wilderness, Moses needs loving care. He needs his hand held. But little does Moses know yet that these are the exact types of people that God can work with the best. As Exodus chapter 3 progresses and moves into chapter 4, we can sense Moses' overwhelming insecurity building through the passage. Just listen again to his contributions to the conversation. Verse 11. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? Brackets. I'm a wanted man there, don't you know? They'll cut me off before I even open my mouth. Verse 13. What shall I tell the Israelites when I go to them? Brackets. I'm a nobody from the wilderness. Verse 1 of chapter 4. What if they do not believe me? Verse 10. I've never been eloquent, Lord. And then most clearly of all, verse 13. Please, Lord, send someone else. As someone who struggles with anxiety, I find this conversation immensely reassuring. It sounds like one of my conversations with God. But here is the wonderful thing. God understands all these fears and he gently works with Moses. 
He cooperates with these questions by giving the evidence and assurance Moses needed. In verse 12 of chapter 3, he makes Moses a promise. I will be with you, Moses, and I'll bring you back to this place. In verse 14, he does what we began this sermon by reflecting on. He gave Moses his name. From now on, when in need, Moses will be able to call upon God personally to grab his undivided attention in an instant. Everything about this giving of God's name is supposed to reassure Moses and the people of God's faithfulness. God says, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. I am who you need me to be. I will always be who you need me to be. In every situation you come across, I am your God. And I'm so committed to you that I'm giving you this name now. Even though I know in the future it will get taken in vain and I will suffer because of people's misuse of it. I give it to you now, Moses, because I love you and I'm going to bring you and Israel through this. Then from verse 16 on to the end of chapter 3, God gives Moses all the instructions he needs. How he is to go about speaking to Pharaoh and how the people are to ask for gold and silver off their neighbours when they leave the land. In chapter 4... God's coaxing and coaching seems to reach even greater levels. As Moses' questions and doubts continue, God ups the ante and starts giving him undeniable signs. Moses' staff becomes a snake and then transforms back again. Look, says God, I have the power to transform any situation. Moses' hand becomes leprous and then is restored. Look, says God, I have the power to renew and restore my people. Moses sees the water of the Nile, that great life source of Egypt, turn into blood. Look, says God, I have the power to conquer any foe that stands in my way. Come on, Moses, I've got this. I've got you. You will not be alone. It'll be my power working through you. And finally, after Moses has pleaded with God to send someone else and God has had to gently rebuke him, God cooperates one final time and gives Moses the human support he asked for. Aaron, Moses' brother, will assist him and offer companionship when the going gets toughest. I love this story. It's so reassuring. God understands our frailties. He understands our weaknesses. He calls us into service, not because we're perfect or strong enough on our own, but because he knows he can work through us. God's power is shown through our weakness. We are called purely by grace. So to bring this sermon to conclusion, We have discovered in this passage why God is the perfect being to have at our side as we go through a time of crisis. He cares for us. He wants to communicate wisdom and affection to us. He calls those required into service and he cooperates with our needs until his purposes can be achieved. Truly, if we hang on to this God, he will see us through. This is wonderful encouragement, wonderful good news. And just in case you haven't noticed yet, this is also the story of the gospel, the story of Jesus. God cared so much about the plight of his people, he came down personally to rescue us. By revealing himself as a human being, God has invited us into a relationship of intimate communication. 
Jesus called us into service, not to go to Pharaoh, but to go and make disciples. And still today, God cooperates with our limitations. He's made great promises to us, to be with us till the very end of the age. We can pray in Jesus' name and God will answer. He has given us the instructions for life through his word. He gives signs of his power to us through answered prayer and the work of the Spirit within us. And God still gives us human support through the fellowship of the church. Not one of us are called to serve him alone. The God of the Exodus is the same as the God of the gospel. The God who rescued his people from slavery, rescued us from sin and death in Christ, and will rescue us from this pandemic. As his work continues, let us be prepared to be called up by God, just like Moses was. For who knows what suffering people he wants to help through our words and actions. But whatever happens, let us go from this place this morning in confidence, for our God is the great I am.